You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Today's episode of Meeting Pod is sponsored by Lindy. Our guest today is Anuraj Theradil Sukumaran, Assistant Professor, Microbiology and Food Safety at Mississippi State University. His current research in the Department of Poultry Science focuses on developing successful strategies designed to reduce bacterial pathogens in poultry meat products. His earlier research also centered on such pathogens as Salmonella, Campylobacter, E. coli, and lactic acid bacteria, in poultry and beef sausage products as published in several scientific journals. Thanks for joining us today, Anuraj. Thanks for having, having me, Chris, uh, and it's my pleasure. Ditto. Now, you have a long history of studying a variety of dangerous pathogens that can wreak havoc on anyone who ingests them, in addition to potentially creating a major business problem for meat processors. What was the impetus for your moving into and staying in this area of research? Okay, so to answer that question, I started my vet school in 2007 back in India. By the third year of my vet school, I was pretty much convinced that I'm not going to be a very good clinical veterinarian. However, I found out that I was really interested in the subject of microbiology, and I started exploring the future possibilities and opportunities. Then I found out that a lot of the universities in the United States and some of the European countries, they have some really nice graduate research programs on microbiology. And I took the GRE exam and some of the language testing exams, and I started applying for grad schools. I got a really nice assistantship offer from Mississippi State University Department of Poultry Science on food safety microbiology to study poultry food safety pathogens. And that's how I entered the field of food food safety. Are there any trends that you've been able to identify in terms of incidence of pathogen contamination, say from 10 years ago versus now? And specifically, do you think that processors are doing what's needed to prevent contamination from slaughter to store shelf with regard to poultry and beef products, especially ground beef? Yes. uh, One of the big things that happened in the last 10 years is the removal or the withdrawal of antibiotics from poultry as well as as livestock feed. The antibiotic supplementation was one of the major tools to control the presence of pathogens in poultry as well as animals. Right now, every integrator or the processor in the United States is looking for alternative methods to replace antibiotics. So that's one of the big things that happened in the last 10 years. And the removal of antibiotics, it has significantly improved or increased the influx of bacterial pathogens into poultry processing plants. That's one of the things we have to note here. Another big trend that I have noticed, because I work work with salmonella, specifically in poultry, the pathogen is evolving in the last 10 years. If you look at the prevalent serotype of salmonella before 2015, it was salmonella Heidelberg. And later, it was salmonella Kentucky in 2020 and after, Salmonella infantis is one of the leading serotypes. And if you look at turkey products, Salmonella redding is one of the evolving Salmonella serotype that is causing infection in humans by consumption of contaminated turkey products. So evolving pathogen is one of the biggest trends that I have noticed in the last 10 years. 
And to answer your second part of that question, are the processors doing a really good job uh, against these pathogens? Yes, the poultry as well as red meat processors are doing their best to develop novel antimicrobial interventions against these pathogens. They are spending a lot of money on research to develop some new techniques. Now, there is always room for improvement, and that's where people like me are doing research to develop better solutions to control foodborne pathogens in poultry and meat products. And on that note, not only are you working with poultry industry members to help solve food safety and processing challenges, you also conduct workshops and training sessions aimed at promoting best practices. How do you assess how well whether these efforts are achieving their goals among commercial processors that you've worked with? Yes, I think uh, the training programs and these outreach programs from the university towards the industry is extremely important, especially to develop and maintain a well-trained workforce. Now, at Mississippi State University, we have a poultry processing plant, and currently we have received a USDA grant to upgrade our processing plant into a federally inspected or USDA inspected facility, also to install several advanced equipments. And with these upgrades, it will open door in the future to offer a lot of training, such as HACCP training and USDA inspector training through our facility. And also it will allow our students to do commercial poultry processing and to sell the poultry products in the market. Mississippi State University and the Department of Poultry Science is already playing a pivotal role in providing the workforce for the U.S. poultry industry. You know, one of the unique combination we have here is the Department of Poultry Science with the processing plant and Department of Animal Science with the meat processing plant or the red meat processing facility. And we have a Department of Food Science with the pilot food processing facility. This is a very unique combination. And I see a lot of opportunities in the future for our university to, university to play a vital role in developing our future workforce for the industries. That's a great opportunity for your students. What are some of the procedures that these plants need to consider in the event of contamination during processing operations? Most of the times, the processing plants in the United States, we have a HACCP plan, which is a hazard analysis critical control point plan in place. In case if we have something going wrong, we have set procedures in place to address these issues. Now, if we find out that if we a batch of our products is contaminated, there's a, a plan to recall the products that are already sent to the market. And we have to recall all those products and we have to make sure our consumers are safe. And now we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Lindy. Lindy is pleased to sponsor this podcast. As an industrial gas equipment and engineering provider to the food processing industry, Lindy's cryogenic liquid nitrogen and liquefied carbon dioxide gases provide precise temperature control in several areas on the processing floor, cooling, chilling, and freezing of food products, whether they are raw, marinated, or cooked, helps maintain inherent product quality moisture, taste, and appearance. Browse our dedicated food industry site at www.lindyfood.com. And now back to today's podcast. Let's go back for a second to your students. What do you think are some of the most important qualities a researcher in the field of microbiology and food safety should have before considering specialized training or career as their next academic step? 
That's a great question. You know, first of all, I would make sure the student is really interested in the field of uh, food safety microbiology. Because food safety, within food safety, we have several different types of research activities going on. For example, we have applied microbiology research, which include enumerating or counting bacterial numbers present in food products using basic microbiology techniques. At the same time, we have molecular microbiology where we apply molecular techniques such as PCR or whole genome sequencing to identify or to study these pathogens at a DNA level. And then finally, we have this predictive modeling techniques that we use very commonly these days, where we use computational and statistical methodologies to predict bacterial growth or to predict the risk of bacterial contamination. So these are some of the aspects that should, uh, the student should identify or understand first before he or she choose a career in food safety. Now, a couple of things they can do is to do some undergraduate research projects during their bachelor's program to identify their interest. Or they can also do some internship programs. Several universities are offering internships in the area of food safety to the students. This will allow them to identify their interest. And some of the common characters that I'm specifically looking for in my future graduate students include critical thinking ability, number one, because the students have to be able to identify the ongoing food safety issues in the industry so that they can come up with some fantastic master's or PhD research projects. And also, they should be able to work independently because, for example, in my, gra- in my lab group, the graduate students will receive minimal supervision, and I always want them to work independently. And of course, I'm there to support them during difficulties, but I expect them to work you know, independently as much as they can. Terrific. Now, beyond meat processors, you're also studying the formation of bacterial biofilms in food processing environments so that strategies can be developed for biofilm detection and mitigation, presumably even as far as store shelves. Have there been any recent milestones reached on these efforts recently? Yes. First of all, biofilms are one of the least studied aspects of food safety. However, in my opinion, it should be explored, that area should be explored much more because several studies have reported that most of the ongoing outbreaks in the United States are caused by bacterial biofilm formation. Now, for our listeners who doesn't understand what a biofilm is, a biofilm is a layer of bacteria on a processing surface or a food processing surface, which might look like a slime layer. However, once they form these biofilms, it's really difficult to clean these biofilms and the bacteria can kind of stick on that surface and contaminate the food product. So that's what a biofilm is. Now, my research group is investigating two pathogens. One is Salmonella and the other one is Campylobacter. And we are looking at the biofilm formation of these two pathogens. My PhD student, Hudson Thames, he's studying Salmonella biofilms for the last three, to, uh, last three years. And he has found out some interesting facts about biofilms. He found out that the surface materials like plastic or glass or metals that we use in the processing plants, they have different capacity to form biofilms. And also environmental factors like temperature, 
is very crucial in the formation of biofilms by this bacteria. One of the cool things that he discovered is that the fluid movement or how the water flows over the surface is also another factor that can influence the biofilm formation by bacteria. That's about Salmonella. And my other grad student, Diksha Pokhril, and she's from Nepal, and she's a PhD student, and her research is focused on understanding the role of biofilm in Campylobacter, the bacteria, one of the bacteria that cause a lot of foodborne outbreaks in the U.S. So she's studying the biofilm formation by Campylobacter. Got it. Now, one of your early peer-reviewed research papers studied challenges in the no-antibiotics-ever broiler production when it comes to E. coli and clostridium perfigens. Has the poultry industry been able to meet some of the goals that your research uncovered two years ago? Yes. First of all, this study was conducted in 2018. We started in 2018, and the study was finished in 2020. And in this study, we investigated several no-antibiotics-ever poultry farms in the state of Mississippi, and we looked at the prevalence and the characters of two pathogens. One is avian pathogenic E. coli, and the other one is Clostridium perfringens. These are two very commonly found very economically important pathogens that cause disease in poultry. And we found out that these pathogens were present, you know, the winter seasons more than in warm seasons or the summer season. And we also found that several disease-causing characteristics are different between the growing seasons. Now, yes, I would say the industry is currently trying to develop several interventions against these two pathogens. A lot of research is going on in the industry as well as in academia. And the industry is constantly trying to develop uh, interventions like vaccines against these two pathogens. So I would say, yes, our study was very important in this regard. Let's take out a small crystal ball, shall we? What should poultry processors be most worried about in terms of pathogens and the threat of potential spread through their products in the near term, especially now that the NAE and no antibiotics in the food chain seems to be the prevalent marketing scheme at least? So I would say as a food microbiologist, the bacteria or the microbes are constantly evolving and they are finding new methods or new ways or mechanisms to survive the existing antimicrobial interventions. Now, having a multiple hurdle approach, that means we apply several hurdles to prevent these pathogens. So having that kind of a multiple hurdle approach is very, very important. For example, we can have very, very strong HACCP plan well plan has a plan in a processing plant. However, what I would advise the industry is to have a constant monitoring. I mean, we need to constantly monitor our antimicrobial or pathogen prevention programs, and we need to constantly upgrade and update it so that we can make sure our consumers are getting the safest food products as possible. Terrific. Thanks so much, Anyuraj, for sharing your expert insights with our Meeting Pod listeners. You are very welcome, Chris, and thanks for this opportunity. You're more than welcome. And thanks to our listeners for joining us, and be sure to follow Meeting Place and Altmeet magazines on social media, and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and altmeet.net. Until next time. And thank you to today's episode sponsor, Lindy. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat magazines on social media 
and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeet.net.